the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. We had a client one year tell me, he's like, man, he was so happy. He sent me a message on Facebook because he had only gotten one Christmas card all year and none from his family and they were from me. I think it's a really strong thing that you can do. And, and again, I understand that a lot of Christmas cards get out, but it go out the door and so it might get buried. But for the most part, people don't get Christmas cards. They get some, but not a bunch. And so for you to send one as the lawyer, I think that's really impactful. Run your law firm. The right, way. the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, today's an exciting day at the old hacking law practice. We are expanding into our uh, attached office space. We, we've been gobbling up office space up here on the second floor. And today we moved into another 800 square feet and we're moving our reception area. And I think everyone's going to have a lot more breathing room. So it's pretty exciting. I think that's nice. But whenever you talk about that, I think of just dollar signs of money that you could be saving by just making a lot of your employees virtual assistants um, or making them more virtual. I mean, because we've got several people, but they're all over the place and it saves us thousands of dollars a month. So I, I cringe a little bit. I'm, I'm happy for you in the, the expansion that you keep having, which is great. But I just, I think about it from a different perspective. So I, I'm glad I'm not paying your rent. We have about, four people that work for us virtually and they're they're great assets but having full-time people in the office it's just a, a different experience i understand what you're saying and you know i'm always going to lean towards spending probably a little more than i should but um i think that given the volume of our practice and the work that we're doing with sort of teams i think for us right now it's the best thing we got going hey man you know you know your practice far better than i do so i'm not knocking it i just I'll look at it from, from a different perspective. So do you want to, it's just me and you today, man. This is pretty, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And we haven't had one of these episodes in a while. These are often some of my favorite episodes. I thought that before we got to our topic, we could both sort of check in. So how are things going with you? Good, good. Got another case manager starting in a couple of weeks, actually Monday. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then looking to hire a, uh, I'm going to hire two lawyers, one that's going to be more virtual and then one to cover court appearances. So that's going on. Um, really, I had a lot of fun stuff. I think uh, 
our marketing's working really well. Our SEO is doing really well. We've got some creative things that we're doing in-house. And so things are going, going, going really, really well. So I'm happy about it. What about you? Well, so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your structure and how it's changed? I mean, what is a case manager? You're the only attorney there. So I'd like to hear sort of how you break things up team-wise. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, of a riff off of, um, uh, it's kind of a mix between Sandy Vans and Alex Wynn's setup where they use pods, which are teams. Uh, we call them pods. I st- and I stole that term from Sandy and Alex too. But I think they're, they're both very smart people and I really respect their systems. And so I really, really kind of, whenever I had a chance to reset in August of last year, I really took it to heart and we adopted this pod system. And in August of last year, we had one pod and it's, it's made up of the case manager, a legal assistance, assistant and a medical records technician, and then a caller is what, uh, and basically uh, a caller is just someone that literally calls medical providers all, all day, every single day. And they, they get treatment status. They find out, you know, where are our records, where are our bills. We requested these months ago, that kind of a thing. And they stay on them. I, I mean, right before I got on, I got an email from a doctor saying, hey, your clients can be treating with us for the next two months. Please have your people stop calling because they were calling every two weeks. Um, but it's, it helps us get records extremely fast. But um, we've gone from one team to four pods, so one pod to four pods, um, and so it's we'll probably add another pod in the next couple months. Um, so that's that's the basic setup, and that that doesn't include um, there's some I guess more of a, an operation side of people too that help with with you know, things like bookkeeping, management, stuff like that. That that has helped tremendously, kind of separating that out of the rest of the day to day operation because. You know how it is whenever you, whenever you're smaller and you, it's just basically you and a couple people. You all do a little bit of everything, but whenever you sort of department it out, it really frees up your time to do other things. And so that's what we've been really trying to do. And there's some overlap, um, but not nearly as much as as we used to. What did you learn in starting this up again a second time? What what kind of things did you do differently, or what lessons have you learned to practice in the last ten years? I mean, it's something I, it's not like I learned it. I just finally implemented it. And that is create very specific specialized roles for people. And that is, you know, I was always afraid to do it because of the, it, it definitely increases the overhead, but it's worth it. I'm settling probably cases faster, four times faster than what I was before. Um, but we're also settling cases for a third higher than we were 18 months ago. So, and these are all numbers that we track. And so it is, it's just creating these specialized roles, especially for virtual assistants, no question when it comes to virtual assistants, but that has helped move the ball forward in all these cases. So it bounces from one person to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. It also allows us to identify where the log jams are. You know how we talked about for the longest time that you were the log jam? Well, it is very clear, and this is part of the reason why I'm hiring a virtual assistant attorney, I'm hiring an attorney to just do written discovery and nothing else because I am the log jam when it comes to written discovery. Um, and it is killing me. I mean, it is just because, I mean, it is, we have so many cases in litigation that I cannot keep up. And so we're, I'm going to have someone that's just going to be doing that role. And so um, whenever you chunk it down like that, to fit, like all have all these specialized roles, 
you can identify where the weaknesses are, what needs to be fixed, what's doing well. And so um, I guess that's my, my biggest piece of advice is just kind of uh, specialize the, all these roles for the different people in your firm. I think that's great. I mean, I, most plaintiff's attorneys that I know, written discovery is the bane of their existence, and I'm sure it was a logjam for you. So having someone who just does that and focuses on that, I mean, obviously, when you're the plaintiff, you always want to keep your cases moving, and you don't want to be the one asking for more time when your 30 days are up for written discovery. So I think having a dedicated person just for that, I mean, not to mention the bandwidth you're going to increase for yourself in, in giving that up. Well, you know, in Candace and I were talking about that today because that is the thing. It's going to free up so many freaking hours of my time each week just to do other things. I mean, talking about marketing and then just prepping cases for trial, that's going to help us so much. And and it's something I've been hesitant to farm out for a really long time. And I, I found that you can't, it's hard to get a virtual assistant that's a non-lawyer to, to do it and do it well. They can do the basics. Um, and that's about it. They can't do any of the advanced stuff. And so they don't know what, what to object to. Um, they don't know what, what's good to respond to, what's not good to respond to. When it comes to identifying experts, they're not very good at that because they're, it's always coming back to me. Okay, what should we put here? And so um, they can do the bare minimum, but after that, they can't really do that, do, do anything else. On, on my end, I had an interesting experience last week that I wanted to talk about. I thought I might do a video about it, but we can talk about it here. So I don't know, five years ago, four years ago, I had a, a pretty good personal injury case. It was one of the last ones that I had. And speaking of being delayed on discovery, I was real slow on discovery and I just sort of got tired of dealing with it. It was one of my last cases. And so I referred it out to Gary Berger. And, and since then, I've referred all my PI to you and to him. And and I continue doing that and I like doing that. But um, I had an experience last week where we had a removal case in the office that we had actually signed up and we were getting started to working on it. And and it was my case and it was one of my last removal cases. And, you know, we don't we do a high volume of removal or deportation cases. And I don't really like doing them. I've talked before at the conference and on the show about how stressful they are, how I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about all those. And. I decided to refer it to another attorney in St. Louis, and that's all that he does is removal. And I actually went with my client over to his office, so I got to see things through the eyes of a client. And I ended up referring that case to him, and I'll probably be referring him the last remaining ones that we have. And I, I felt a huge weight lift off my shoulders when I sort of realized and verbalized that we were going to be giving that up. And Every time I've narrowed my practice, we've done better and better at the things that we're really good at. So I'm really excited about having had the chance to refer that to him and to get rid of uh, those kinds of cases. So I just felt that same sense of relief that I felt when I sent that last case to Gary. And um, surprisingly, I'm narrowing our practice even more. So it was, it was sort of a wake-up call. So what are some of the things that you're doing these days when it comes to running the firm and practicing? The majority of the immigration work is being handled by my wife, Amani, and the other two lawyers in the office. I am limiting what I'm doing pretty much to uh, just the lawsuit. So I've been suing USCIS and the State Department a lot, and I'm, I'm running those cases with a little team. And as far as green card, citizenship, marriage-based stuff, all that's being done by Amani, Ashley, and Andrew. And so I'm really spending my time either in consults 
or developing more marketing stuff. So I'm getting to that point that I always wanted to be when I first met Seth J. Price and I found out that he wasn't practicing law, but running a law firm. That's, that's sort of where I wanted to go. And um, I really feel like we're on the verge of hitting that. Well, it's interesting to me because I, I know that you post about, you know, suing USCIS and all that, and you're, you're, still, you're still filing a lot of those. I just, I wonder why you're still doing it. Because uh, it seems like you're, you're, you've got a pretty well-oiled machine for the most part. You've got someone actually running it, Amani. Um, and so I'm just wondering why you're still doing that. Why I'm still doing lawsuits? Yeah. Because the other three attorneys are very busy. We're trying to hire a fourth attorney. Um, but I have uh, two paralegals that are doing the actual production. It used to take me about three hours of gym time to do a lawsuit. I've got that down to about 20 minutes. And so I'm doing a whole lot less of it. I'm doing, I'm doing it about an hour a day. So um, in the weeks to come, I'll be offloading all that stuff to a new paralegal that we just hired. And then Marwan will be doing the actual sending out the lawsuit. So really, my involvement will only be if there's hiccups that come up, but it's, it's pretty much automated. And I'm pretty much out of it. When do you predict that you'll, you will not be filing lawsuits anymore? Well, I don't know if I'll ever actually transfer the hit send button to actually file the lawsuit. I suppose that I will, but I'm I'm going to be pretty much done with all of it in about a month. Wow, that's far sooner than I expected. Um but that's pretty cool. I think that's great. I think uh you you will have finally, I guess, not finally, you will have met the majority of your goal when it comes to to just running the firm. That's that's awesome. Yeah, we we've automated the lawsuit through Process Street, and that's I, that's not something I've been meaning to show you. With Process Street, we can basically put in the information for the lawsuit. And we have a template with Google Docs, and the lawsuit comes out on the other end. We also spent a lot of Kelsey Bratcher and I spent a lot of time getting the uh, summonses prepared. So now, right out of Process Street, when the process is over, we put in the information about who goes in the lawsuit, what their information is, the lawsuit kicks out, and then the summons and the civil cover sheet come out too. Super cool. Yeah, you you and Kelsey have told me so much about Process Street. I feel like I understand exactly what it looks like. I just neither one of you have actually showed me what it does. So um, yeah, that's pretty cool. I was thinking about when the first time I showed you Infusionsoft. I think it's pretty powerful, and I think we're going to be moving more and more of our processes out of Tetra and into Process Street. So I'm excited about that. So there there's there's something that. Um, Kelsey had sort of just blown my mind with um, in, in talking about Process Street and some other things because we were just talking about Lead Docket and Filevine and a lot of other projects. And he's just someone that's really cool to, to nerd out with about things. And he's like, you know, what you could really do is you could, you know, click a button in Filevine. It could, you could create some sort of Zap through Zapier. Um, it could go through to Google Docs. After Google Docs, it could go somewhere else and then basically just mail, it, mail itself. And I, I, I've always known that things like that could exist. And until recently with Filevine, they, they added webhooks and some other things. Um, you couldn't do that until recently. But just talking to him is so cool because you you really uh, start to think like all these things you can do and how you can free up all this time. Because a lot of the stuff we were doing with Infusionsoft, but those two are not connected yet. And and so we're, we're, we're working on some systems that will connect the two where it's at a certain point, once we've got it all figured out, we're just going to be clicking buttons and, and documents are going to be going out and mailed on their own, which is so freaking cool. And if you think about just all the time and money you're going to save whenever that's set up, it's just so freaking awesome. So technology is something that can really make our lives easier, but if you don't get it right, it can really screw things up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like all those years we spent trying to build the during unit inside Infusionsoft. I think Process Street is the way to do that. I mean, you're the litigator, not me. You're doing a lot more lawsuits than I am. How how do you physically create lawsuits now? I mean, there, it, it's all through DocGen stuff. And so uh, you click a button in FileVine and it drafts, I'd say, 95% of the petition. I mean, you you get the date of the incident, the injuries, location, all that kind of stuff is pretty generic. And then it's you, you make sure that the formatting is correct and you file it. I mean, I could get one probably filed in 10 minutes. At, and that's, you know, paying for the filing fees and everything online. I mean, it's it's pretty quick. And so we, I don't have the same problem you have, though. Um, mine's all Word document stuff. Yours are all PDFs. And so that makes it far more difficult. Now, through FileVine, I could probably do something very similar because they they can do form or doc gen with PDFs, which is pretty cool. But um, I think I still think the form from talking to you and Kelsey, your role's forms are far more complicated than ours are. So it's pretty simple. Just, you know, the, the data is already plugged into our system because it was plugged into the system well before we decided to ever file a lawsuit and then click a couple buttons, boom, done. Um, you know, I request in some counties, I've got to request that the summons issues and the, for, and for the process server to be appointed. Those are in Word documents in St. Louis County and St. Louis City. Those are PDFs. And so it depends on, on the venue, on, on what forms we use, but I can, I can generate those in no time. So for us, it's not so much the PDF that's clunky. It's just a summons and a civil cover sheet. For us, it's more the actual machinations of filing things on the KCMECF. You have to go through and click every screen. And so Kelsey's been tinkering with the idea of figuring out a way to push that through some kind of Chrome extension, but we haven't found anything yet. So it's actually the clicking through all the steps of CMECF to get a lawsuit on file that's been slowing us down more than anything. But anyway, enough about that stuff. Let's talk about yeah, our no, we've really We've really gone down this road a little bit, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nerding out a little more about it. But I, cause I, I know what you're, exactly what you're talking about with the district courts, and all the district courts are different when it comes to the drop-down menus and what, or what the options are. And so... That definitely complicates things. But anyways, you're right. Introduce the topic of the day. All right. So, you know, we spend a lot of time, me especially, talking about the before unit, you talking about the during unit, but we don't spend much time talking about the after unit. And when we talk about the after unit, typically we're talking about referrals and repeat business. And so I think that I just want to throw out there, I think a topic that all of us need to be thinking more about is the after unit. But the after unit actually should start where the marketing to your client should continue during the during unit. And that's really what I want to talk about because when people hire us, at the moment that they sign their agreement, when they decide to put their lives or their case in our hands, they are at the absolute highest love of us that they'll ever have. And everything we do after that most likely is going to lead downward. So I often think of those um, political debates and they have the focus group sitting there with a little dial in front of them. And when something happens that they like, they turn it to the blue. And when something happens they don't like, they turn it to the red or whatever the color scheme is. And so I really just thought I'd throw out there and a topic for you and I to talk about is during those moments after we take someone into our, our group, what can we do to make sure that we really are as sticky as possible and that they really continue that love of us and that we're not pissing them off with some of the things that we do? So it's interesting. Talk a little bit more about, though, what you're talking about with 
the after unit the after unit starting so early because I don't I don't I just don't know if I agree with you but will you clarify what you mean? Well, of course, you know I'm always advocating that the before unit be separated as much as possible from the during. So the people in the before unit are not the ones who have to do the work because if the before unit is creating work for itself, the before unit is always going to have a incentive to not create too much work because they're going to have to be handling all these cases. And so if you think of it that way, if the before unit's job is just to bring new clients or to bring back old clients, then they should start marketing or continue marketing to the person throughout the representation. Because don't forget, when we are representing someone, we are their lawyer, we are their guy or their lady, and we're the ones that they're looking for for everything. And so everything we do, either positive or negative, impacts their feelings towards us and they're wanting to do business with us again. And and it impacts their decision to whether or not to refer us because if they have a crummy experience with us handling our car accident or our naturalization case, then they're less likely to recommend us to other people. So I actually think the marketing, the before unit, the people in charge of marketing are responsible obviously for the before unit and the after unit. And I guess what I'm saying is they are, they should also be responsible for marketing to the extent that you can. We do that with our weekly newsletter and some other ways, some other touches. But I think that don't forget to highlight your firm and what you're doing for them in that during unit. That's what I'm talking about. I I agree with you. So in other words, if you're thinking about the before, during, and after units, um, you can probably think of them as a as a constant loop. And if there's any disconnect in that loop, then none of it works. Is that is that fair enough? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that I think that's a solid point because I, I think. I think what you're saying is, you let's say you do a stellar job in the before unit, and you do a terrible job in the the during unit, and you do a stellar job in the after unit. They're not going to care because they're not going to refer anybody to you because you did a terrible job. So I think I think that's solid. Although I do say that you can do a terrible job in the before unit, um, and maybe get lucky and get the client, and then probably recover a little bit. But I think that you're, if that's true, you're probably not going to get the, the client anyways if you do a terrible job in the before unit. So um, I think that's I think that's smart, and I think your your newsletter is it, it's it's very effective for you. I don't, you know, to me, I don't think I, I don't the newsletter is just not for everybody, and I, it's not something that I'm that committed to doing. Honestly, I just I'm not. We've talked about it before, and I've even said on the podcast I was going to do a, a newsletter. I don't. I honestly don't care that much about doing a newsletter it may work it may be great but I just I don't I don't have that commitment and I know myself I just don't have the I don't have the commitment to sit down every two weeks or every week or every month or even every two months to send out a damn uh, newsletter but some of the things we do is we we send out the videos through um, through it's uh, dub d-u-b-b I know some people use bomb bomb and so we've got I don't think we've really talked about this much on the podcast but Something we have is we've got this, we want to talk to clients every two weeks or more. Um, and it used to be every 30 days. And honestly, we weren't doing a very good job of that. Um, we really weren't. But Ryan Sargent, who's a listener of the podcast, he's a big time FileVine user. He was telling me how he set up in his FileVine, how he gets these reports where every 30 days, I think he's increased his to 14 days, because uh, that's where I got the idea from, is that... It, he basically created this report in FileVine where if he had not touched a file or contacted a client within 30 days, that was their cue um, to, to reach out to the client. And then he was tracking the numbers and noticed that 
his settlement values were going up the more often he was in touch with his clients. And so that's what we do is every 14 to 30 days, we're reaching out to the client with a video, a phone call, a text message, uh, an email, and it definitely increases the case value. I've got the numbers to back it up now too. And then also it definitely increases the client satisfaction. We've added two surveys to our, to our cases. We've got one after the first couple of weeks, and then we've got one that's after the case settles, which helps us improve client satisfaction, um, change the, the things that we're doing. Those videos are a freaking, they're, they're incredible. I hate using the, I almost use the term game changer. And I, it's overused, so I wasn't gonna use it, but it really is incredible. That decreases the number of phone calls that we have to make. Um, if you think about all the phone tag you make a lot of times with clients, people don't like to, to answer their cell phones these days. So you call them, you leave them a voicemail, they don't respond or they, 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 they check the voicemail, then they finally respond and maybe you're not available. So you have to, you have to call back and forth with the videos. They get the message from you right away. They listen to it. Maybe they reply. Usually most of the time they don't because they don't need to, but it really is a, an effective communication tool. But then we also, another way of, 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 I think that people may not think about when it comes to the during and after units is social media, how you can really, really market to your people, especially the ones that you, you've gotten to like your page. Communicating to them through that is a huge way of, of increasing that engagement in the after unit. And you can even, if you, if you choose, download your case list. And then if you've got email addresses, which you, you should if you're doing things correctly, you can then upload it to Facebook and then specifically target that group which is a really, really huge advantage um, if you think about it. So you can create that, I can't remember what they call it anymore, but I'll call it a dummy group, but you can, uh, you can target those people if you've got an email address. So I think it's a very effective way of, of marketing to those people. Well, you just gave me like five great ideas, so I'm glad I brought this up. I mean, the thing, the thing that I wanna emphasize for everyone is we all, we're always focused, and so many people talk to us about, I need more leads, I need more leads, I need more leads, but it's, it's like eight or nine times more expensive to convert a new lead as it is to convert a prior a prior client or lead. So I think that these tips that you've thrown out there are all really good. I, I mean, I, am, I will still advocate the newsletter, but I like that idea about targeting them in social media. And I, I've been thinking a lot about now that I'm getting further away from the cases and I really want to make sure that we maintain that same level of service and that people are happy with it. And so I think surveys, spot surveys during the pendency of the case, and then also figuring out ways to regularly communicate with people is absolutely key. So, I mean, you've got, I'm assuming you're, you have to work on volume based upon what you do and how, I mean, you're all, I think the life of your case is fairly long. I'm not, I'm not certain about that because I don't know all about what you do, but I think that's accurate. So you have to work on volume. How do you stay in touch in front of all these people with other than the newsletter? Well, really right now, other than them interacting with our paralegals and the lawyers at various stages, I mean, yeah, you're right. We're, we're with clients now. It used to take seven or eight months to get a green card. Now it takes about a year. So we have that long opportunity, but um, we are seeing more and more clients calling and saying, Hey, what's going on with my case? And, that idea of sort of regularly telling them every two weeks what's going on with their case, even if it's just, hey, we know you've been waiting for a while, your case is about halfway through, um, you know, here's where things stand. I think that would go a long way um, to build, maintaining that connection. 
So I think you have a I think you have a ripe opportunity for the stuff you do to get leads from family members and friends and stuff like that. Because once the client gets their citizenship, they get their citizenship. They never need you again. <laughs> I think that's, that's one of those things where it sucks. I mean, people can get in, into multiple car crashes. Um, usually, I don't, I don't think clients do. I don't, we, have, we have returning clients, but I think a lot of those are just fluke accidents. And so do you market, do you, do you find a way to ask for referrals at the end? Well, actually, um, when people get their citizenship, usually that, that means a lot more business for us because after they get their citizenship, then they want to sponsor their mom or dad or they want to go back to the home country and get married. So a lot of times citizenship is a great time to even start the relationship if, if we meet people at that stage that very rarely do, do we not do something with them after the fact. Well, that's okay. That's, that, that, I had no idea. So then tell me how you, what things you do or the things you should be doing because um, maybe, who knows, maybe you haven't thought about this, but what are some things that you've been doing or should be doing that um, allow you to get those referrals? What I should be doing, especially on the repeat business is, you know, when you get your green card, you can apply for citizenship either three years if you're married to a U.S. citizen or five years if you're not. And what we should be doing is um, specifically having campaigns that kick back on like six months before those new deadlines. We don't have that set up yet. Now, a lot of people, because we maintain such contact with them, um, we still get that business, but we could do a better job of that. Okay, so why aren't you doing it? Let me let me let me uh, call you out a little bit. What, why aren't you doing it, and and when will you start doing it? Yeah, so let's get to our hack and tip of the week because I'll talk about that exact thing. Okay, all right. Well, then we'll we'll wait for that. Then we'll wait for that. So, do you do things like birthday cards and Christmas cards and stuff like that? No. Why not? We, because we just haven't. We we have all that data. We you know we have as much personal information as you could possibly get about someone. So we could totally do those things. I'm shocked that you don't do those. I mean, you, you had Infusionsoft before, which I'm assuming you were doing that the birthday email at least with Infusionsoft. And so I just I, I mean I'm shocked that you don't do that. Those I mean those are super effective. So we send Christmas cards. Now, I know that not everybody celebrates Christmas, but I think most people appreciate the the just the idea of it. Um now, I don't think so I'm I, I mean, I don't think I normally send you a Christmas card cuz I know you don't celebrate Christmas. The ones that I know that don't, I don't send it to them, but we send it out to a lot, but we had a client one year tell me, he's like, "Man, he was he was so happy. He sent me a message on Facebook because he had only gotten one Christmas card all year." and none from his family, and they were from me. And it was like three years after I represented him. So I think it's a really strong thing that you can do to, because, and, and again, I understand that a lot of Christmas cards get out, but it go out the door, and so it might get buried. But for the most part, people don't get Christmas cards. They get some, but not a bunch. And so for you to send one as the lawyer, I think that's really impactful. Yeah, and you're right. You're right, and I have no excuse. I'm standing here exposed. Um, we should absolutely be doing that. But um, we just haven't. So I, I appreciate the push. Well, I mean, and, and let me let me be really clear here. I think I do a terrible job at the afternoon. And I really think I do. And the only things that we do are, are automated things other than the Christmas card. So Christmas card and then the birthday card and the birthday email, that's all automated. And so it's not like I do a lot of work and I, I feel like I could do a lot of other things other than the social media stuff. I feel like we do a pretty pretty good job of social media, 
but other things I don't think we do a very good job. And so that, I think that that's where you, with your newsletter, it's very, very powerful. I've been meaning to tell you that I think you have some kind of template set up for happy birthday messages on Facebook. I think that's, that's great. That I see the, those are always the first thing I see when I log in in the morning and it always reminds me to wish certain people a happy birthday. Well, okay. So um, I'm going to, Jay Ruane is the one that suggested it to me and I will give it as a tip of the week soon. Um, He and I, he initially said, Hey man, I'm going to show this to you, but you can't tell anybody, but he has lifted that, that, that seal. And I, I, I can, I can release it. So I think I'm not going to give it for this, this week's tip of the week. I'm going to tease it, but uh, I'll, I'll give it for next week's tip of the week. It's, it's something that is really, it's really awesome. And it, I'll be honest with you, it is super cheap. I mean, this is far cheaper than you might expect. So I will well, tease that next week. I knew it was automated because you told two different friends of mine they're the best and they can't both. <laughs> yeah, I just, I was, I was being goofy one day. So you can create three different messages and you can create it with, with images. And so it is like people I haven't talked to in years. Because what I used to, what I used to do is I'd go through and whenever I get that alert from Facebook, I would say happy birthday to the people that I knew and that I had talked to recently and then the other ones I would skip. But this one goes to everybody and so everyone's getting it and it's it's kind of funny because uh, Amy was teasing me about the fact that I, I put you're the best on there. So it's, I think, I don't know, I think people like hearing that they're the best. So that's why I chose it. Well, so I'm glad we brought this up as a topic today. Now I'm mad because you're still not doing newsletters and I'm still not doing nearly as well as I could on the after unit. I think we both have our marching orders I think it's a great lesson for all of our listeners that even if you're performing at a high level, there's still a lot of things that you can do that's relatively low-hanging fruit. And I'm going to encourage everyone to get out there and start doing more in their after unit. And post some ideas on the Facebook group. I know there's a lot of activity going on in the Facebook group, but if you've got some ideas on expanding and improving upon the the after unit, let us know because I think we can all benefit. Because I think my guess is that probably a good 90% of us are terrible at the after unit. So um, that's something that we could all do better on. So post it there. All right. So let's get to our hacking stuff of the week. All right. So I, I know, I know you're not used to saying it, so we'll get to our tip and our hack of the week in a moment. Before we do, if you will, please, 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 please take a second and go and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. That would really help us out. Um, we're almost to a hundred. Um, we're getting really, really close, and I think that it would really do um, uh, it would do the group as a whole a lot of justice by getting to that hundred, because I think you all do a lot of great, great stuff. You share a lot of great information, so if you will, as a group, and kind of do this together, get to a hundred, that would be great. Um, and Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? All right, so I just finished Rocket Fuel, which is my introduction to traction. So I'd never read traction. And I'm really enjoying and seeing the value in all of it. Now I understand why everyone's been talking about it. But one of the things that drives everybody crazy around here is that I'll just walk around the office shooting my ideas out of my mouth and just seeing where they land. And I might just sort of throw things out left and right all the time. So I've actually sat down and started a list of all my ideas for firm improvements. And so I also went through the last firm meeting and the last retreat to sort of categorize all of our improvement things and it looks like we're at 73 and on that list is the topic that you mentioned earlier which is the follow-up and all the other things that we mentioned earlier and so 
I have this long list. And so now we're going to meet as a leadership team and prioritize what's on my list so that um, these things get processed properly. And that we, you know, one of the things they said in the book is if everything is important, nothing's important. And so I'm sort of very bad at just throwing out all these ideas and, and then things just don't happen. Traction is such a really, really good book. It's, um, there are, there are a couple of people that I know off the top of my head um, that that are really implementing traction really well, and that's Chris Christopher Nicolaisen and, and uh, Ryan McCain. Both of them do a really good job and and uh, of of implementing the policies of of traction. I don't I, I wouldn't say I'm great at it. I, I love the book. I think it's there's a lot of great information. And I think if you can implement it. Um, you're gonna you're gonna do really well. I think it's a really really good book. So I think it's interesting you're reading them reading them in, in reverse. But my guess is they're probably written in a way where you can do that. Yeah. Um, so my tip, and I feel like I normally do apps, but the, this one is an app, and it's something I recently found, and it's called Otter O T T E R. And I was I was I don't even know how I stumbled upon this. It was incredibly effective at transcribing our voices i mean it, it did not miss one word so really awesome stuff um so that is my tip of the week um jimmy it's been fun thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next week see ya thanks for listening to the maximum lawyer podcast, lawyer podcast. to stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to maximumlawyer.com maximum have a great week and catch you next time